you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Ecclesiastes chapter 12. Um, we're coming down the, the stretch in our series, Unconventional Wisdom in the book of Ecclesiastes. Um, and even though we're in the last chapter this morning, there will still be one more week next week. So, spoiler alert. But while you are turning there, um, whenever I was in college, uh, there was, I had a pastor that, that gave me, a, or he recommended a book for me to read. And this was before I was into reading, right? I'm not a big reader at that time. Uh, unlike most of my required reading in college, I actually read the book that he recommended to me. Sorry, Mom. Um, she's in the room this morning. Um, but the book was called The Purpose Driven Life. Maybe you've heard of it. Maybe you've read it. Uh, if not, no big deal. It's kind of irrelevant. Uh, but, but my point in bringing that up is that... Uh, you know, like, I, like I read the book, nothing really stuck with me, at least not in any lasting way. Um, again, I was not a big reader at that time. I just did it because this pastor recommended it to me. Uh, but even though the book didn't really like resonate with me necessarily, at least some uh, you know, 12, 15 years later, I don't know, when did I graduate college? I can't even think about that for a second. I'm not good at math on the fly. Um, even though it didn't necessarily resonate with me at that time, that book clearly resonated with a lot of people, right? Evidenced by the fact that I looked at some statistics about the book this week. Um, that book, Purpose Driven Life, was on the New York Times bestseller list for almost two straight years, right? It was, uh, as of 2020, it had sold over 50 million copies, right? That's a, that's a lot of books. Uh, it has been translated into more than 85 languages, which makes it the second most translated book in all of human history behind the Bible, the purpose-driven life, all right? Uh, and, and here's what all those statistics point to, is that there are a lot of people trying to figure out what's the purpose of life, right? That you, I, just some of the stuff I was reading this week. Christians, non-Christians, uh, the book, to, if you've never heard of it, it is kind of a, a Christian-based book, um, but people from all over, like different backgrounds, different demographics, apparently read this book because right, that's one of life's most pressing questions, right? What's the purpose of life? What's the point of life? What am I here for? What gives my life meaning? Right, if you've never asked those questions, I would... Highly encourage you to. Those are good questions for you to ask. All right? But the reason I bring all that up this morning uh, is because it's that question or that series of questions, really, that, that Solomon is going to address uh, in the last few verses of the book of Ecclesiastes. Right? What's the point of life? What's the meaning of life? Like When, when all is said and done, what am I here for? Right? That's what Solomon's going to uh, unpack in the last few verses. We're going to start in verse 9. Uh, really, 9 through 14 is kind of a, a short summary of the entire book of Ecclesiastes. It's what it is. And so um, we're just going to walk through it kind of verse by verse and, and pull some things out of it, all right? So starting in verse 9. It says, Besides being wise, the preacher also taught the people knowledge, weighing and studying and arranging many proverbs with great care. The preacher sought to find words of delight, and uprightly he wrote words of truth. So, 
We're going to get to the point of life in a minute, but before we get there, the first thing is, is Solomon's given us uh, a little, some, some credentials here. Right, you guys, whenever you, um, whenever you go to the doctor, you want to know that this doctor is qualified to perform whatever procedure he's about to perform, right? Or you should. That would be a wise thing for you to do. In the same way, Solomon, right, he, he's about to tackle this is the point, the meaning, the purpose of life. And but before he does that, he's going to give us some credentials, right? To let you know that, that he is qualified to give us the answer to this question. And so uh, he, he writes here that, that he had given his, his life to uh, the search of, of wisdom, right? He, he's known. He's known for wisdom. If you know Solomon from the Old Testament, he is known as the wisest man that ever lived, right? God grants him a wish. Solomon, you can have anything you want. What do you want? He says, I need wisdom to lead these people that you're, uh, that you're charging me to lead because I ain't smart enough to do it on my own. Right? And all of God's people said, Amen. Right? Especially parents. I need wisdom. All right? Solomon says, I need wisdom. And so God grants his request, gives him wisdom, and Solomon goes to be uh, the wisest man to ever walk the earth, second only to Jesus Christ. Which is an unfair comparison, right? He's God wrapped in flesh, omniscient, all knowing, omnipotent. Seems like an unfair competitive advantage. Right, but, but second to Jesus Christ, you got Solomon, the wisest man to have ever walk the earth. Right? He's known for it all these years later for his wisdom. Right? And not only that, but he's, uh, he's shared that wisdom. Right? Much of the book of Proverbs was either written by or arranged by Solomon. Right? Other books of the Bible, uh, Song of Solomon. Right? Solomon is known for not only being wise, but for uh, dispensing and teaching his wisdom. Right? In, in the book of Ecclesiastes, it says over and over again, it refers to this guy as the preacher. Again, I'm convinced it's Solomon. Right? He's, a, he's a preacher, he's a teacher. He's known for sharing his knowledge, his, his wisdom uh, that he's gained throughout his life. Right? He, he's devoted much of his life to knowing, understanding, and dispensing wisdom. Right? He's a, a credible source in what he's about to say. Right? Unlike most of the articles that are shared on Facebook, this guy is credible. He knows what he's talking about, right? which means that we should listen and lean in to what Solomon's going to tell us. Right? It's not just some random guy that's like, here's what life's all about. It's the wisest man to have ever lived, inspired by the Holy Spirit, writing these words down for you and me thousands of years later, that we might know what the point and purpose of life is. So we should lean in and, and let him actually Teach us something, right? But verse 11, this is, we're still working up to the point and purpose of life. Here's verse 11. It says, The words of the wise are like goads, and like nails firmly fixed are the collected sayings. They're given by one shepherd. So you got Solomon, wisest man to have ever lived, right? Devoted much of his life to studying. Uh, growing in, in wisdom and knowledge and meaning and purpose of life. And he's committed to dispensing that and, and sharing that with others. But first he gives us a bit of a warning right, about, about wisdom. And he says that uh, he, he refers to the words of the wise as goads. Now, if you don't know what a goad is, it's uh, basically these devices that were used 
uh, to move livestock and animals, uh, to kind of poke and prod and, and point them in the direction they were supposed to go. And, and Solomon says that wisdom, wise words, oftentimes feel like, like goads being poked and prodded to kind of keep us moving the right direction. In other words, sometimes wisdom is painful. Right? Sometimes living wisely, at least in the short term, feels painful. Right? Or, or maybe you've heard a phrase this way, sometimes the truth hurts. Ever heard that? Sometimes, sometimes the truth hurts. Living in obedience to the truth hurts. All right, sometimes it's like it's got a little bit of a sharp edge to it. Not because God delights in uh, inflicting pain on us, but because oftentimes like we're not like we're prone to wander, right? We're prone to stray. And when God uh, like stops us and redirects us with these these wise words, right? Like goes like it hurts. A little bit, right? But, but the, the truth is that it's better for us to experience a little pain now than a lot of pain later. Right? It's better for us to experience a little pain in the short term than a lot of pain later. Right? To, to give an illustration, about a year and a half ago, I had uh, not one, but two root canals done at the same time, right down here. Uh, so they... They shoot like my mouth full of whatever it is they use. It makes your face feel like it's four times the size it normally is. Like I'm worried I'm going to step on my lip when I get up later. Right? And so, but, but they were doing two of them. So they shoot me up with this stuff. They get to work, which like the sounds of that are just awful. Right? And the shots hurt, man, because they gave me like a lot of them. Right in the front of the gums, man. Just, ugh. Some of you guys are cringing right now. I can see it. And so they did the first root canal, and it was great. Fine. They get to the second one, and uh, apparently some of the anesthetic had worn off. Because I don't know what they did, but I almost came out of the seat. Right? And then, and then the, the guy doing the work has the audacity to be like, did you feel that? <laughs> Dude, if I wasn't a little more sanctified, like, I would have punched you. Right? Like, that was awful. Right? And that's kind of what the, the words of wisdom are like, that Solomon's given us, right? That, that it's better that you experience a little pain now, a little discomfort now, a little uh, truth now than to experience a lot of pain on the backside. Right? In fact, that's what the whole book of Ecclesiastes has been up to this point. If you've been with us the last few weeks, it's Solomon over and over again taking all these things that we're tempted to pursue these things that we're tempted to say, this is the meaning and purpose of my life. This is what will bring me ultimate satisfaction. This is what will bring me uh, ultimate contentment, joy, fulfillment. Uh, this is going to be my highest priority. And he takes all of those things and he just strips them out from under us. And says, those things will not bring you the purpose, the meaning, the significance that you're looking for. Right? Not, not that they're always bad in and of themselves, but you're looking to those things to give you what they can't give you. They are vanity. They're fleeting. They are a mist, a vapor that, that vanishes. Like you grab onto them and then you open your hands and there's nothing there because they, they have no staying power. Right? And, and listen, 
to be told that the thing that we're pursuing will not fulfill us in the way that we think it will, that hurts sometimes. Right? To be told that, that man, you can work your tail off, get to the top of the pyramid in your organization, only to find out that you're still going to be unsatisfied, that hurts a little bit. Wise words hurt, but it's better to experience a little pain now than a lot of pain later, right? So let's talk about this for just a little bit more, just being transparent. A lot of times we're, we're talking about living in obedience to God's word, his words of wisdom, and, and it's painful. Sometimes it is painful. And so there are moments when living in obedience to his word is going gonna to bring uh, some unpleasant feelings, some unpleasant experiences. It's not always easy to live in obedience to God's word. Right? Anybody relate to that? Right? Sometimes it's, it's the hard thing to do. Right? And, and, and really... In fact, if, if there's never been a moment where you've like, read God's word, you've been taught God's word, and, and like, living in obedience to that seems painful, if there's never been a moment where, where it's confronted you and been like, what you're doing is, is like, you need to do this differently, then you're probably not reading it right. right? Because there's, that's what God's word does. It confronts and it reveals and it exposes and it does some course correction. So if you've never spent time in God's word, if you've never spent time under the, the teaching of God's word and, and like never had it confront you in any way, right, then chances are you're not doing it right. You're, you're, in, you're listening or interpreting and some, uh, doing some interpretive gymnastics to make God's word say what you want it to say. That's not obedience to God or his word. That's obedience to self. And that's not hard. My point is just that God's word is often going to confront us and call us to make decisions that in the short term will feel painful, will feel difficult, will feel hard, will feel challenging. But it's better to feel a little pain now than a lot later. So, just let that steep for a little while. Verse 12. It says, My son, beware of anything beyond these. Of making many books, there is no end, and much study is a weariness of the flesh. So to reorient us a little bit more, remember, we're, we're after the point and purpose of life. It's a matter of, of wisdom. That's what we're after. Right? We're seeking wisdom. And here, Solomon's differentiating between wisdom and knowledge. Those are two very different things. Right? You, can, you can know a lot without being wise. I heard somebody tell me once, uh, that knowledge is knowing that tomato is a fruit. Wisdom is knowing that you don't put tomato in fruit salad. There you go. That was free. All right. There's a difference between knowledge and wisdom. All right. And the point that the psalm is making here is that, that we can read and study and give yourself to that. But if it doesn't lead you to wise living, then it's pointless. Right. And we just talked about the word of God confronting us. Like I feel personally attacked here. Because right, I, I love to read. I love books. Like, I love books just for the sake of books. You know, like, you know what I'm saying by that? Like, I just like books on a shelf. I just think, like, they're just appealing to me. 
And I do like to read them. I like to study. I, I, um, like I have an Amazon wish list of books that I want to read. I'll share it with you if you're interested in blessing your pastor. Um, if you think that's nerdy, I have an app on my phone that tracks all the books that I have by category and title and author so that I don't accidentally buy a copy of a book I already have, which has happened on multiple occasions. All right? I have nothing. And, and man, so that's books. Then I just like, I like to learn. I'm just like a student by nature. You don't go to school as long as I did if you don't like to learn, right? I, I have a list on some software on my computer. I have a list of topics that I want to study. I'm not in school anymore. Like, I just want to study them. Like, that's just me. I'm an Enneagram 5, which I've said before, may mean nothing to any of you other than I just, like, I want to know everything about how everything works all the time. I'm a researcher, I'm a studier, I'm a nerd. Right? You should try buying something, like when we buy something in my house, it gets researched. I'm the guy that reads like all 10,000 Amazon reviews. You know what I'm saying? Like that's me. So I, I love knowledge. I love learning. I love understanding. And yet for all of that, if it doesn't lead to a place where I'm living wisely, living in obedience to God's word, then it's all pointless. Nothing wrong with knowledge, nothing wrong with wisdom, but if, if all it does is just stay up here and doesn't connect to my heart and my hands, then it's, it's meaningless, it's, it's pointless, because there's a difference between knowledge and wisdom. Right? And so with that, we've got Solomon giving us his credentials. We've got Solomon... Talking about how, how wisdom oftentimes it's going to redirect us in ways that are a little bit painful sometimes. We've got uh, Solomon talking about how we're after wisdom, not just knowledge, not just understanding, but wise living. Now he's going to give us in verse 13, like this is the answer to the question. What's the point of life? What's the purpose of life? What's my life about? Right? What would give my life meaning? What gives my life significance? Here it is in verse 13. Says the end of the matter. All has been heard. Here it is. Fear God and keep his commandments. For this is the whole duty of man. At the end of the day, when all is said and done, the, the bottom line, here's the point, purpose, meaning of life. Here's what will give your life significance. Purpose is this. Fear God and keep His commandments. Fear God and keep His commandments. So what does that mean? One of the, one of the many books that I just told you about, one of those that I read this week, here's how it defined uh, fearing God, what it means to fear God. It says, fearing God means to put God in His proper place, to put us in our proper place, and then to put all fears, hopes, dreams, and agendas in their proper place. I think that's a good definition. I think it's a helpful definition. I think it, it reorients us around uh, God as being the highest priority, the highest authority, and then everything else falls in place under that. But uh, what I want to do is add to that a little bit is I think sometimes we are way too quick to sort of 
try and domesticate God. Let me, what I mean by that. Um, we, we, the phrase fear God or the fear of the Lord, it, it's repeated over and over throughout Scripture. And I think because we are finite human beings that cannot fully comprehend what it means to be an infinite God, we try to reduce him down into ways and that like we can kind of understand and wrap our head around it. And so we're like, well, fear God, that means to revere him. It means to respect him. And it does mean those things. Right? It absolutely means those things. But I would submit to you that like, we would do well to take the word fear a little more seriously than we probably do. Right? So let me, let me let the Bible speak for itself here. Right? This, is what, this is what Psalm 97 says about talking about God. Psalm 97, the first five verses, says, The Lord reigns, let the earth rejoice. Let the many coastlands be glad. Clouds and thick darkness are all around him. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of his throne. But listen to this. Fire goes before him and burns up his adversaries all around. His lightnings light up the world. The earth sees and trembles. The mountains melt like wax before the Lord, before the Lord of all the earth. Like, that sounds intimidating to me. Like, I, I, don't, um, like, I don't spend a lot of time in dark alleys, but that's not somebody I want to run into in a dark alley, right? Somebody who, who can make the mountains tremble and melt before him. Like, I don't, I don't want to play games with that guy, man. Right? That's serious. Or here's, maybe you're like Psalms, that's poetry, it's allegorical. Well, let me, here's what Jesus says, right? Here's what Jesus says about God. Matthew 10, verse 28. And do not fear those who will kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. In context, he's talking about God. Fear him who can destroy the body and the soul in hell, like that doesn't sound to me like a God that we can domesticate or, or reshape, conform into our own image. Right? That sounds to me like a God whose, whose authority and power demands not only respect and reverence, but like a, a very real holy fear. Right? Fear the Lord and keep his commandments. Right, but I also think the order of those two things are important. Right? Fear God. Keep His commandments. I, I don't think that order is insignificant. And here's what I mean. Where there is no fear, there is no obedience. And, and you know this in a million areas of life. Right? There's a reason that you uh, obey the laws that you obey. Right? Because you fear the penalty of being found guilty of breaking those laws, right? Right? And it, like, even, even the laws that you choose not to obey kind of reveal like, what you're scared of and what you're not. Right? The fact that my driving record is less than imperfect uh, would suggest to you that I don't necessarily fear the penalties of... Right? But there are certain laws that I am breaking because I don't want those penalties. 
right? There's, you, you obey the employee handbook wherever you work because you fear the penalty of being terminated. A lot of you guys have military experience, right? There's, you obey the orders you're given because you fear the penalty of disobeying orders that are given from a higher authority. Right? Fear, where there is no fear, there is no obedience. So this is what it is with God. Right? It, unless we fear Him for who He is, right? the holy, omnipotent, omniscient, sovereign, authoritative God of the universe, if we don't recognize Him as that, what chance do we have of obeying Him in any consistent manner? Right? But there's a penalty for disobedience. Look at verse 14. It says, For God, I'm sorry, we're back in Ecclesiastes now. For God will bring every deed into judgment with every secret thing, whether good or evil. Like the, the day is coming when God as the ultimate authority over all of creation, the day is coming when he will, will assume the role of a just judge and he will exercise just judgment over all of his creation. Right? Nothing will escape. Failure to appear in court is not an option on that day. And on that day, every action, every intention, every thought, whether known or secret, will be uncovered. It will be exposed. It will be dragged out into the light for God to, to judge. Right? The things that you know about, the things that you've done that you don't want anyone to know about, the things that maybe you've done that you've just forgotten about, all of that will be pulled out for God to exercise His good and just judgment. And if that doesn't cause you to, to set up, kind of lean forward a little bit, like, I don't know what will. And listen, it gets a little, like that sounds bad. Because I don't know what your life is like. I look at my life and I'm like, oh, gosh, right? And it, it sounds bad, but it gets a little worse. Because here's the reality. On that day, left to ourselves, like none of us are passing that test. Not a person in here will be able to stand before God, the just judge of the universe, and, and on our own account say, yeah, I'm pretty good. Like, nobody gets to do that. Left to ourselves, we're all condemned. We're all convicted guilty. We're all sentenced to death, separation from God forever, for eternity in a literal place called hell. That's what we all deserve. That's the judgment for all of us. If, if we're left to ourselves. But the good news of the gospel is that God has not left us to ourselves. Because God, who is the highest authority in all of the universe, who is the just judge of all of the universe, is also a loving Father who sent His Son into this world, into creation, to save and redeem all who would trust in Him. Unbelievable. Unlike you and unlike, unlike me, Jesus came into this world, like took on the form of a man, just like you and me. But unlike you and me, he lived a perfect life, 
a sinless life. Right? He perfectly kept God's good standard of perfection. Right? If all of Jesus' actions, intentions, thoughts, motivations were to be laid out in front of us, like they would, they would be perfect. They would be pure. Right? They would not be tainted with, with sin. Right? His record was pure and clean and perfect, and yet despite his perfect record, he was sentenced to death on a cross. And on the cross, he absorbed on himself all of the wrath and punishment that God pours out on sin. Right? He, he absorbed it all on himself. And then three days later, he rose from the grave to prove that his payment for sin was sufficient. Right? There's nothing more to be added to it. Right? His life and his death were enough. The resurrection proves that. So here's where the life, death, resurrection of Jesus intersects with, with you and me. Is that everyone who repents or turns from their sin and trusts in the life, death, resurrection of Jesus for the forgiveness of sin, for the promise of eternal life, right, you, you're, you're granted, you're granted eternal life if you've placed your faith in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sin, then all of your sin, past, present, future, has been forgiven. Every, every action, every intention, every thought, every motivation, it's all been forgiven. It's all been nailed to the cross with Jesus Christ. And His perfect record, right, His sinless record, has been accounted to you if you've trusted in Jesus. So that on the day of judgment, when you stand before God, because you will stand before God, on that day, if you trust in Jesus, you will be judged not based on your imperfect record, but on Jesus' perfect record for you. You'll be judged not on uh, your best efforts, but on Jesus' perfect obedience. You'll be judged not on uh, your attempts at righteousness, which the Bible says is nothing more than a pile of filthy rags, but you'll be judged based on Jesus' righteousness given to you. So if you're here and you're a Christian, you're a believer, that's what's true of you. Right? On your day of judgment, which is coming, like, the only way you stand on that day is because of faith in Jesus Christ. Right, that, that's the only thing. It's the only thing you'll, that will enable you to stand on that day. You'll be approved of and accepted for no other reason than faith and trust in the life, death, resurrection of Jesus Christ. And God forbid that should ever like grow old to you. Right, I, I just Sometimes I think that we think of the gospel as like, it's the ABCs, it's the entry point. Once you get that, then you move on to bigger and better things. And I'm like, no. Like you, don't, you don't move on past that. If anything, you move deeper into it and understand the fullness of what that means for you. Right? I hope that if you're here and you're a believer and you're a Christian, that, 
that maybe those words just fall fresh on you, that, that your only hope on the day of judgment is what Jesus did for you on the cross 2,000 years ago. And if you're here and you're not a Christian, you're not a believer, I want you to know this can be true for you. Because you'll stand in judgment one day too, and on that day you won't be able to point to anything to be accepted, approved by God, except faith in the life, death, resurrection of Jesus Christ. So if you're here and you're not a Christian, we would love to have a conversation with you about how you could become one and what that means and what it means to put your faith in Jesus, what it means to put your trust in Jesus. All right, we're going to sing here in just a minute. I'll be down front if you want to have that conversation or if you want to meet me after the service, create a little more space and time for us to have that conversation. We'd love to do that. All right, but here's, here's where I want to finish this morning. <clears throat> Excuse me. I want to leave us with some words from Psalm 103, which this is where David, he just takes all these kind of things we've just talked about over the last few minutes, the, the fear of God, but also his love and his grace and his mercy and his compassion. And he, he combines all those in a, what I think is a really beautiful way here in Psalm 103, starting in verse 10. It says, He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. And this is an appropriate verse for the day. It says, as a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. And you want to experience the Lord's steadfast love. You want to experience his, uh, his compassion. You want to experience the forgiveness of sin. You want to know the purpose for which you were created. The meaning of your life is to fear God. Keep his commandments. Let's pray. Father, we come to you and just grateful for your word. Uh, Lord, grateful that um, Lord, it, it does poke and prod us sometimes. It, it, it does course correction, and that's not always pleasant, but it, all, it is always right. It is always good. And so, Father, this morning, I pray that your word would do just that. That as we consider... Uh, what the point of our life is. It's all reduced down to fear you and keep your commandments. So Father, we're different spaces here this morning. We've got different lives, different, uh, and different things going on, different tendencies and different um, sinful habits maybe or whatever it looks like for, for the men and women in this room this morning to fear you to keep your commandments. I trust that your spirit would guide us further into that. For some, Father, I pray that you would just, uh, Lord, restore a, uh, a vision of a holy God that rules in, in the ultimate authority over everything. Lord, help us to see you for who you are, your power, your, uh, Lord, just your, your strength and your might. 
Help us to, to not try to reduce you down to something that we can grab hold of easily. Lord, help us to see for who you are, the ruler, the creator, the sustainer of everything. Then, Lord, for others in this room, maybe, uh, really this is all of us in some degree, help us to see how we might live and keep your commandments more consistently. Lord, help us to know what you've called us to and the different areas of our lives and how we live as faithful followers of Jesus Christ because of it. Lord, where we have not obeyed your law, where we have not kept your commandments, where we have strayed and we're doing our own thing and doing our own way, would you convict us of that? Would you, would you give us the gift of conviction that we might repent and turn and trust and know that we will be met with love and compassion and grace and mercy because it's what your word promises. Lord, help us to live this life knowing that that our day of judgment awaits. Lord, help us to, to keep that in front of us that we might fear you, that we might keep your commandments. That Lord, that we might live in, in worship and honor uh, for, you, for your glory all the days of our lives. Pray and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.